0: back to Trending in Education. Dan Strafford, Brandon Jones, Michael Palmer along with you. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the importance of math and learning math throughout your life. Brandon, good to have you back. Good to have you in your seat. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, thanks. I had a, a brief uh, hiatus. Um, I was at work, to be clear, for yeah, those of you who sure. the listeners who are uh, tracking my calendar. Um, I was here, but just not able to be present for uh, last week's show. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry to have missed it. Um, I'm I'm happy to be back, and uh, we're heading almost into 2019, which is uh, which is exciting. That's a big number. Mm-hmm. Talking math. That's the biggest number we will have ever lived through. I believe in maybe
2: prime. I think it. I don't know. Let's add them up. No, no, no. It's divisible by three. Oh, there you go. See, math is fun. Math is fun. Yeah. The only prime I know is optimist.
0: But Mike, uh, what do you have going on in your world? What's new and uh, excited to talk some math today?
2: Uh, I I see worth see see math uh, everywhere, and I see uh, I, I get a lot of value from uh, from a mathematical uh, perspective on life, uh, you know, and uh, and I'm excited to to kind of explore those ideas with uh, with you guys.
0: I think it's often a conversation for students, younger students, that math can be a tough subject or a subject they don't want to dive into. For adults, uh, continual learning, might can be difficult on the math front. People have math phobia or just uh, lack of growth mindset when it comes to math. Why do you think this is an important topic for us to to dive into today, and what are some of sort of the high-level takeaways you had from some of the articles that we shared?
2: Yeah, I'm, f- for me like uh you know I'm trying to read uh read uh, read 20 books this year and I did do it. So I'm on my 21st book. Yeah, yeah. So I hit hit my uh hit my goal for the year, which is great. But uh one of the books that I just read recently uh was called Thinking in Bets uh which was by uh a poker professional uh Annie Duke uh who's now uh you know more of a business consultant and she actually uh you know she had worked on a, a, I think she got a doctorate or she was close to getting her doctorate in cognitive psychology uh, You know, after, uh, after graduating as an undergrad. So um, I thought that was a really interesting book. And uh, it, uh, it was about how decision making is very probabilistic and how you have to think about uh, the percent chances of different things happening as you make decisions and, uh, and how decisions are actually bets in a lot of ways. Um, and that got me thinking. It's a fantastic book. Uh, you know, I, I definitely would recommend it i uh, love to play poker too, uh, which, uh, you know, if we could talk about poker or do a poker <laughs> sh- poker show in the future, I- I'd love to do that. But, um, but there's a real quantitative angle to, uh, to that, where like when you start thinking probabilistically about your life and about decision-making, uh, you, you sort of turning things into uh, percentages and then saying, what's the likelihood of this happening versus that happening. And, uh, you know, that's when you start thinking about contingency planning and, um, I thought that was extremely relevant, and then uh, started digging around into some of these other um, articles about uh, the importance of math instruction, uh, and in particular, and some, you know, Brandon and I have known each other for, for many moons, and we've talked about this uh, quite a bit, I think, over the years, is that math is extremely relevant, uh, and then it's frequently not positioned that way. Uh, and I uh, actually think that's a problem. So, uh, so I thought it'd be an interesting topic for us uh, for us to dig into.
1: Yeah, I think that's like a that's a trope that exists where you know kids say, "Well, when am I going to use this math?" Right. Right. And and it's like that's such a thing that either kids have said or say or you know apocryphally have done so that that's you know it's a thing that exists in pop culture. You yep. know, like uh, uh, representations of math class being hard or right. irrelevant or boring. Right. Um, and I, so i I do think like I think if um, we can i i my guess is that our listeners over index towards liking math, probably that'd be my guess mm-hmm. um, but if there are listeners who don't like math and especially people who think they 're not good at math yes uh, or don't for for whatever reason see math as being uh, relevant, um, we may even have a, a, a fellow podcaster who thinks that. He or she, I think in this case, maybe he thinks he's not good at math, but um, I, uh, hopefully that a little bit of this message is, is for them. Yep. I, I just, one other note on that, um, uh, Mike and I, we, we both have uh, Kaplan teaching experience and, and lots of it. Um, one of the things that I found as an instructor was people who believe they are, they are bad at math typically had one bad math teacher mm-hmm. early in life mm-hmm. who either, you know, Told in, in many cases, told them that they were bad at math. Yep. You know, or uh, made them feel like they were rather than, you know, seeing that, you know, every child has holes in her, his knowledge, and, mm-hmm. you know, rather than calling out the, the holes, calling out the cheese, um, as it were. Yes. Um, and I, I think that it's really interesting how impactful those one bad math teachers can be. And sure. so, um, my experience in, in teaching adults who were trying to reapply things that they had forgotten mm-hmm. um, was I had to get them in many cases over the, over the hump of believing that they could be good at it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's a, that's an interesting thing for folks, interesting thing for folks out there too. Mm-hmm. If you are one of those people or if you know someone
2: um, you can be good at math. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you could be better at math too. So that's another way to think about it where like um, I think sometimes people in addition to the teacher causing the the anxiety, I think being compared to others can also cause that anxiety too, where like, um, you know, we're in such a competitive culture and, you know, academically people get very competitive, even at an early age that there's math tests from the time you're five, six, uh, right on really throughout your life. And uh, frequently you're compared to others. So like, it reminds me of uh, when we talked about uh, growth versus proficiency where um, everyone should aspire to continue to uh, develop their, their mathematical understanding because it is relevant, is the way I think about it. Uh, and uh, rather than try to hit some minimum standard or think about how you can get closer to uh, you know, the quote unquote smartest kid in the room, uh, you know, it's, it's much better, I think, if you develop a, more of an introspective growth mindset for your own uh, mathematical understanding. Uh, and I think that's where good, good educators, good math teachers, I, I think, do that, where they, they sort of connect to each individual where, where she is. And they say, what you need right now is to focus on this. Uh, and I, I love where you were going there, too, Brandon, because I think part of what you might want to do is really address more of the self-confidence or like the, the non-cognitive aspect of their math learning first, just to kind of fill those holes so that they they actually believe they can learn and then once once they once they believe it uh it's a lot easier to teach them but but a lot of people have resistance uh that they kind of build in yeah um dan you um i guess the jig is up i have to uh well to be fair um i like math
0: i i play a lot of fantasy sports daily fantasy sports so math is intricate into that um talk about probable outcomes that is a lot of what daily fantasy and fantasy is, is projecting probable and possible outcomes and the probability of it happening more times over not. So I enjoy math and I enjoy applying it. But to Brandon's point, I had a bad math teacher in fifth grade. Like I had a bad and confused me and explain things in a way I didn't get. And when I asked for help, I was told I needed to sit down and listen, like that I wasn't listening well enough. And so it just became that back in the mind that it, I was, I was an English guy. I was a, I was a history guy. I, I wasn't going to be a math person. Uh, So that definitely took uh, a shape of how I approach math in college. I took statistics and I loved it because of sports, because of my connection to the numbers, meaning something to both of what you're saying that I think the best teachers uh, are connecting what's being taught to real life in every subject. And I think there are not great teachers who may not do that, who say, you need to know, you know, two X plus two Y, whatever that is. And that's it. And we're moving on. Um, But I do, appreciate now getting back to math and understanding how it can help and what it can do. And I'm lucky both my daughters love it. Both the daughters who are in school love it. And I've tried to not pass on my distaste for it in elementary school to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as we talk through it, Brandon, there's tons of applications, obviously for math. It's every day you're doing it without even thinking about it. Um, You've already sort of talked about, you know, talking to the student about why they think they can't and filling that hole first and then building up from there. But as we talk through, uh, so many real life examples. Is that just what's missing maybe that there are teachers who don't connect those dots and thus it's harder for a student, a younger student in this case to understand, why, why do I, why should I care? Why should I care what algebra says or geometry or any of those things? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, I think that, the, that
1: great teachers, and, and maybe what it is is that your average, one's average teacher probably needs to make it hook more into what your real life is going to be. But great teachers I think can inspire it just by making it fun mm-hmm. even if it's not saying, well, you're going to need to balance a checkbook. Do people do that? I don't I don't oh man this is like the jig really is up. I definitely don't do that. Um, but you're going to need to proverbially balance your proverbial checkbook. Yeah. You need to manage your finances, you know, you're going to have Uh, basically in every profession is going to require some mathematical quantitative competency and certainly in 2018, Mm -hmm. 2019. So I I think uh, the best teachers just make the learning part really fun, Mm -hmm. um, irrespective of of real world uh, application. Um, But I think that if you're not a great teacher because right now like you're you're a bad fifth grade teacher isn't alex to me like talking to teachers out there if you're a bad teacher um maybe try uh, uh connecting it more to real life because right. I, I i do think that that is that is you know the, the i i use the phrase hooks a lot even this is the second time in this conversation but um, we all have those, like we, we all have a uh, real life. Right. Yep. Yep. And so that's a, that's a good tether to, for any of the more, like any of the more esoteric subjects that you're taking to get kids to care about it, mm-hmm. showing them how it matters. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, I think that's neither necessary nor sufficient maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think that's a bad thing to, to do.
2: Yeah. Cause, cause I think what you're talking about a little bit there is motivation too, right? So like, uh, A good teacher, I think, naturally motivates her class uh, through whatever techniques make sense to, because sometimes you're going to need to learn stuff that may not seem relevant right now, but you just have to trust that there's some value in what you're learning and then some, there's some value in applying your mind to solve complex problems in ways that maybe you haven't solved them before. So the idea that you can develop your cognitive ability uh, and then you have to trust a teacher to say, you can do it. Uh, and then actually give you the opportunity to learn. Um, I think that's, that's universally just good teaching. Uh, and then uh, I think for math, because there are skeptics out there, uh, I think it's important to be able to like manage your class or your dynamics so that when the, 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 the smart kid the, leaning back, you know, blowing spitballs around the room in the back says, wait a second, uh, teach, because uh, they always call you teach. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second, teach. Why is this relevant? Uh, you want to be able to at least, uh, you know, sort of uh, manage that conversation. Uh, I mean, and- I
1: know our K-12 classrooms haven't changed that much since the 50s, <laughs> but it sounds like you literally went to school in the <laughs> 50s. Um, you look great. I do. I'm way. holding up pretty yeah. well. Thank yeah. you.
2: But, uh, but I do think that, you know, I remember even when we were talking about language acquisition, the idea that, you know, thinking of it as, uh, as a skill, and thinking about language acquisition as something that will make you more effective in your life uh, i think that's uh, that's really interesting when it comes to math and a related point i think is the the concept of numeracy as a corollary to literacy where uh, obviously everyone is saying well people people need to need to learn how to read sure. and if you know you're measured based on your ability to understand um, uh, the written word uh, but I, but i think increasingly uh, what 's becoming more relevant, uh, particularly if you 're trying to advance in your professional life, is the idea of numeracy, yeah which is number sense is another way in which people talk about it, um, which may not be a specific uh, you know it 's not like knowing how to find the second derivative or or knowing how to do linear algebra, but it 's more just having um, a sense of confidence when numbers are displayed and understanding that you can sort of uh, Accept and/or challenge uh, the reasoning that's going behind uh, sort of a quantitative argument. That, to me, is extremely fundamental For sure. uh, these days and uh, relevant, really, to just about anybody who's trying to manage uh, manage their finances, whether they balance their checkbook or not. Uh, just is to- that
0: something that I got <laughs> hold on? I'm
2: I'm not done with this point.
0: Is that something that people do? Well. I don't balance my checkbook. Like I don't actually sit there with the ledger in the checkbook still. Yeah, and, that's and, what I'm asking. Yeah, speci- yeah. Oh, specifically that. No, I do not do that. I do keep... Why so serious, Heath ledger? I feel like it's, <laughs> I, nobody does it. Nobody writes
1: checks. <laughs> it was a fair- oh, I,
0: I, write, I wrote a check yesterday. Yeah. Okay, Dan. Yeah. All
1: right, but so you don't do that, but what is it that you do do?
0: I have an Excel spreadsheet, so I have a budget that I do keep track of, uh, putting in purchases and deposits into our account and make sure that we're projecting a budget that... We're not going to be negative at any point. That's different. But yeah. Budgeting okay. is different. It's yeah. it for, for a checking account.
2: So was just... For
0: sure. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. fancy.
2: But, but it's all... It is math. <laughs> and, but, but what's interesting about math, even within the last 20, 30 years, is that um, the, the ability to externalize your computational skills has changed. Where now, like, you know, that number sense, I think people's ability to just compute... Uh, you know, multiplication or just general percentages based on numbers that are presented in a spreadsheet. Frequently people have to then run the calculation in the spreadsheet to actually figure out what the, the output is. Whereas, you know, maybe 20, 20, 30 years ago, uh, many folks were expected to, to just bring that, uh, that, that way of understanding numbers uh, to bear. And, and I think that is, that is a challenge in, in these days uh, that many, many folks are growing up really without the, the basic, uh, you know, computational uh, ability uh, and uh, almost become overly dependent on technology uh, and externalizing sort of some of those skills. I think that is interesting. And like that is, that's more a question for, um, uh, you know, math educators and curriculum writers, uh, you know, how do you teach? people the right fundamentals so that when they sort of advance in their lives, they're able to, uh, to both engage with that, those external capabilities, like getting really good at your calculator, but also being able to sort of, uh, you know, in the, in the post uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, uh, hellscape that is coming uh, to be able to still uh, when those you
1: know, kids don't learn their math yeah
2: figure out how many how many cans of beans you have in the bunker right. for example so like without without it's bleak yeah okay so we'll, we'll get lighter but uh, but anyway I was going somewhere vaguely interesting well I see my time I,
0: I think it is and and I was gonna ask either of you this follow up question is the you know the student in in college now or even a former coworker of mine said why do I need to know addition or subtraction when I can plug it into Google and get an answer. Isn't it more important for me to know how to use the technology to get the answer rather than get the answer myself? So Brandon, do you have an opinion there on how do we separate those two things out? Like the technology is getting better and it's meant to make our lives easier. Does that mean math is less important because the computer can do it for me?
1: Yeah, I, am of a mixed opinion, uh, on this. Um, Uh, You know, I think it's important to have a certain degree of confidence and competence in uh, unaided computation so that if you're, you know, just as an example, calculating the household income in the U.S. and you misapply a factor or a multiple or, you know, you you, you don't carry a one Mm -hmm. and you get that the average is a hundred million dollars or negative five hundred dollars you know, like you have a sense that something went wrong in your, I can't believe people are just going to Google to do addition and subtraction. That's amazing. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, so that you don't believe your Google slash TI 83 slash Excel spreadsheet, uh, when it, when it produces numbers that are, are definitely wrong. And I think that, so to me, that's the Um, as someone who one really likes math too, I I think I am, um, computationally strong. Mm -hmm. Um, all those computational exercises I do. Oh my God. Um, that's a place where I I find where people don't see obvious mistakes in their work and then are so confident in the tools that they have in front of them, um, that they are, you know, building assumptions based off of faulty, you know, fa- faulty formulae, formulae, yes. yes, formulae, all those. Yeah. Um, So you know, I, that, that's where I do think that there is real relevance is being able to, you know, I'm making air quotes here, but check your own work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That said, I, I don't, I don't think that we should diminish the role of technology, whether it's any of those that I've already named, in making people more computationally competent. Sure. You know, Like I one of the things I do a lot of my work, even like my um, sort of scratch work just in Excel yep. because um, it's it's like, it's a little rectilinear. I like that. Yeah. You know, it's like it's there's cells and like yeah. I can cordon off certain stuff from other certain stuff, but you know, it has a really robust, and I, I only use a, a tiny like way for thin fraction of uh, the computational uh, ability of, of a tool like Excel. But, Um, I think it's, it's really handy and I, I I find myself using it again all the time, even for things that aren't just building models, et cetera. So, um, we, I think we should celebrate that. And actually a way I think to help some people get over that hump is to show them that there are math aids, that there are tools out there that will help them make it easier. That's not a panacea. It's not to say if you can't do basic, uh, arithmetic without having to go to Google is fine. Right. Um, you know, who knows when you're going to be counting cans of beans, but I, I do think that we should, we should celebrate, not denigrate the the presence of those, of those tools.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I also think it's, it's important, uh, in a world, in a world where, uh, increasingly truth is in question, being able to understand when math is being properly used and when math is being used to sort of fake it, uh, you know, it's makes make things seem more scientific or seem more truthy than they actually are. Uh, and also having faulty mathematical reasoning, which uh, frequently like our our natural instincts around numbers and numeracy may may mislead us at times. So I do think there are places that where math becomes increasingly relevant, where people are using, you know, Sort of math-like arguments to to appear more uh, more factual or more uh, informative or more credible and then to have some uh, ability to kind of check that thinking uh, quantitatively i think is really important and i think a lot of that comes from building not just the fundamentals like the computational side but then also starting to understand more um, critical thinking as it relates to sort of quantitative problems because Increasingly, I think people are 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 trying to make things uh quantitative uh, so that they seem more true and I think that's both good if you can develop those skills. Data science is a huge uh industry that you know data visualization all these types of things, but I think there's some uh real value in being able to look critically at someone like checking someone else's work or checking someone else's inference um is something that I think only comes with a lot of experience and then some confidence in your own, your own quantitative chops. Um, I think that is really essential, particularly for folks who are trying to, uh, you know, advance in their careers. Um, and also just have a a relatively clear take on, uh, what's actually going on in the world around us.
1: Yeah. I think the critical thinking part is really important. Um, as a a maybe too long and not interesting interlude, um, Dan, you can clean this up and post, but, um, Uh, one of my college friends and then post-college roommates who is probably the smartest person I know and um, uh, incredibly quantitative as well. Worked for Goldman later, a big law also. Um, When we were living together, uh, like post-college flat, um, uh, had uh, made, like invited his then-girlfriend over and like made her a a chicken dish. Mm -hmm. But instead of using... Like the right amount of the crushed or of the fresh, uh, I think it was um, uh, rosemary. Yeah, use like dried crushed rosemary. Oh. and man, it was like uh, it was like rosemary's baby in there. It was it was so it was so bad. So like that guy, like one of the things that this an article I think we'll link to is talking about how you know math skills can help you in the kitchen. But critical thinking skills, <laughs> I think critical thinking even over math yes. in many cases mm-hmm. because uh, the math was good, the input there was uh, was not so great. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a combination of all the things I think that makes one uh, good in the whatever
2: room. And, and and I think that does come back. Lovely interlude, by yeah, the way. Yeah, thank but, you. But uh, but I think that does bring me back to full circle to decision making and being probabilistic, where you're saying like, okay, the recipe said this ingredient. But it seems like there's a lot. That's kind of in the <laughs> general neighborhood of this other ingredient. Let me go ahead and make that, where in his mind he could have said, there's a 78% chance that this dinner is going to be nasty. <laughs> yeah. I should not add that much rosemary yes. to my chicken. Yeah. But, uh, but clearly his his probabilities weren't there. And even as a quantitative uh, savant, savant he wasn't necessarily understanding how to apply his numeracy to that real life problem. Yeah. And, and that, that does tie back to the relevance thing too, where like, you know, I think critical thinking uh, in a lot of ways is trying to understand what tools should I use to solve a problem? Uh, Do I need to use my own cognitive ability or do I want to use an externalization of it that maybe is better than me? Uh, But it's all like sort of a combination of this good decision-making and then good uh good number sense, uh, I think is fundamental. I also think it was interesting the one article, ten uh, reasons why Math is important in, in life yeah, I did like because you're going to come across as cool because you know how to split up a check and you know how to uh, how apply to tip. Yeah. How, how to apply a tip to a check does when you're out in a group, yeah, the person who tells everyone else how much they owe is that person like amazingly cool i mean no
1: the cool the cool kid is the kid that picks up the check that's true right Yeah. then you're like why split it yeah check out like my it's, yeah my, my bank yeah, roll. I,
2: I already handled it
1: it's on swole you guys yeah. don't have to worry right yeah that's
2: the cool kid yes
1: the other cool kid is the kid who is has enough friends who pick up checks that just freeloads off yes, of them. Yes, Like, in a way, like, right. I think the person who's, like, getting out, you know, like, there is saying, oh, well, this is, you know, you all like, let's... Uh, they, have a little, they have
2: a little green Did you get the one with the
1: 63 yeah. cents or the 64 cents? Um, I feel like that's, that, that's... That's okay. I
2: mean, the, it's the not, source... It's not uncool.
1: But it's, maybe it's a little uncool. It's only okay. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, so I liked this article. I think yes. we're going to link to it. Yeah. Um, it is, like, the 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 author the source of this is pi org for sure. Uh, pi org as the, um, determinant of, uh, of cool. Of cool. Yes. You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure that's a, that's a, that's a typical outcome from right. pi Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it is, it is good. Good for you. You can be cool. Yeah. And- there's like, there's like, N-ner- geek chic,
2: right? Like chic. that's a
1: real thing. I was
2: just wondering if uh, PiDay.org uh, has its own fashion line, for example, mm. like like dress dress like a savant. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's geek geek chic, right? I think yeah, and that's basically like whatever
1: clothes that you had several years ago that you shouldn't be wearing now.
2: <laughs> and there's probably circles, right? <laughs> uh huh. You know, so circles are yeah. always are always cool. Yeah. One of the
0: other. <laughs> One of the other things in this article, Mike, which uh, I thought was uh, an intriguing one and one we talked about before recording was about uh, math's influence on the brain. We talked about the 10% brain myth uh, a couple of weeks back. We've talked about the brain uh, and sort of cognitive uh, ways we we deal with things many times over on the show. One article basically says we don't really know how math as a whole influences the brain. But one uh, in the Pi Day article at the top was uh, about a study about recall. Uh, and that math does help with recalling to certain regions of the brain. Um, one, uh, about that specifically, and two, do you think it's just that math is so, It's the wrong word, but so uh, vast in the way your brain ac- encounters it that saying, you know, quote-unquote math does this to your brain is probably too broad a subject, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think so. I mean, it... it There are aspects of math that are closer to language, for example, word problems, etc. There are aspects of math that are more uh, abstract and spatial, like geometry or even elements of calculus, uh, where uh, it's kind of a whole brain phenomenon. You know, it's not so much that, that math happens in one hemisphere or one particular location of the brain. Um, and then interestingly, when I was just kind of browsing around there's a whole field of uh, mathematical neuroscience, which is also called computational neuroscience, which is more about uh, understanding how our brains uh, behave by by measuring it in in mathematical ways, uh, which I think is also all really interesting because so I was trying to find that sort of math to brain connection, uh, and it turns out it's uh, it's probably a little more complex than that. It's not like you can just localize it as say, like here's where mathematical reasoning happens, and here's the types of uh, things you want to do to sort of cultivate your uh, your sort of uh, neural development to become a, a better mathematical thinker. But it is interesting how even to solve the riddle of the brain, math is is fundamental uh, to that. And uh, obviously, you know, we've talked about the importance of STEM. Um, you know, uh, in some ways, like it does feel like the the trope, uh, to your point, Brandon, the trope that like uh, teacher, why do we have to learn this, uh, is in some ways being undermined by uh, sort of the, the 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 way work has changed and the way folks who understand engineering and are you know starting uh, startups, uh, they're frequently uh, doing that based on some fundamental mathematical understanding logical understanding conditional logic so that they can do the programming um so i think increasingly uh you know particularly cuz uh nerds rule these days sure do uh so uh since the the a lot of the folks who are really leading uh our economy these days uh come out of that background maybe the relevance question uh is is a little bit easier to answer
1: yeah i i think i think that's right um i think that they're just you know sort of baked in bad habits though that you know, whether it's our teacher or just pop culture or whatever has, I think a, um, you know, a, a one of those remnants is that, you know, girls are bad at math. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I think that obviously that's, I I know that's not true. Um, but I, I think we, we also need to do more to continue to work against those like lingering
2: mm-hmm.
1: bad habits. I was watching, I don't know, modern family or some show that you know when you have a four year old you watch while you're eating Dunkin' Donuts. Um, uh, there's a couple of plugs here. Sure. This episode's brought to you by. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know there was uh, the one of the the young women characters was was like couldn't calculate a tip, couldn't calculate ten percent of a thirteen dollar bill, and said leave a fifty. And so right. it's those like little those those little things, right? That um, while I think there are. A lot of good examples of you know how um, you know quants are ruling the world, so to speak. There's yep. also still plenty of things that are just baked into the pop culture that reinforce messages that are are one not true and two contrary to what we we really need kids. To believe, yeah. I, um, so because, we need to we need to work extra hard. I think.
2: Yeah, I think you're right because there's there's a little bit of othering and bullying that happens around like like who's in and who's out. Yeah. Like who knows quant? Like there are people who are quants, and then there's uh, the great unwashed right. rest of the world. <laughs> uh, it's funny.
1: I think that real quants are maybe more likely to be unwashed. That's
2: a fair point. Yeah but, uh, but it is interesting. And that gets back to Dan's point about growth mindset too, where like, uh, hopefully our listeners, uh, you know, we haven't, we haven't put any riddles or math problems into, uh, or into have the show or have we, but, uh, but hopefully our listeners understand, um, you know, really trying to come at this from a place of, uh, of kindness and of, uh, inclusivity in terms of, uh, like casting a really wide net around who can engage in a mathematical uh, quantitative understanding of things. Cause I think frequently you're going to be surprised too. like somebody will, m- might be surprised cause they're, they're way off, but also like the idea of bringing in different voices to a conversation and not excluding the people who don't know as much um, uh, is, is something like we, re- we return to regularly on yep. this show. And I think it's really important when it comes to math, like don't other yourself by saying, I can't do it. But also if you are sharp, um, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of the folks uh, we know uh, here at Kaplan, like a lot of us wound up here because we were good at math, but we didn't really think of it as something only we have access for to. sure. It's almost like you want to spread the gospel and get other people to understand uh, how the world is a better place if you continue to work on your mathematical understanding.
0: I will admit at the top of the Pi Day article, they had a uh, two trains are traveling nonstop uh, question, and I I glazed over and kept scrolling. I, didn't, I did not read through the entire thing, but there are three questions at the top of the article, if you so choose, and they have the answers at the bottom of the article. If you want to challenge yourself a little bit uh, with some math here, we'll share that out, and uh, we can do just that. We're coming up on time here. Uh, Brandon, any final thoughts, a topic that will be, uh, I'm sure... Uh, Coming back in 2019, math and, and the brain overall, any final thoughts on this topic today?
1: I'm just you know, trying to put two and two together and figure out um, what I, I've, there's, I, there's, I, I don't have anywhere I'm going with this. Um, I like math. Math's great. Well, I guess here's one thing that I will, I will say. Um, a thing that, again, back to my teaching days, the thing that I found that was really helpful was if you're facing a complex problem is not trying to solve it, but trying to do one thing. Like, what's one thing? What's the first thing that you can do? And really break things down into its, um, uh, into a more bite-sized component. I, that's not like a, a, wow, this guy's got a really insightful comment. But um, I think sometimes when just your average layperson, not in an academic setting, is approaching a problem and they think it's too complex, there's probably something you can do. And typically, that something is going to get you to another something mm-hmm. and it's going to get you another something. And even if you aren't able to, uh, to work it out, um, the experience of, of doing some work, I think will make you more confident and more competent uh, over time.
0: Great content, as always, from Brandon and Mike. We'll be back with you again next week. We're rounding out uh, 2018, looking forward to 2019, planning new episodes. So if there's something you want to hear about uh, from Trending in Education, a specific topic maybe we haven't covered or something you want us to go more in-depth on, feel free to reach out to us uh, either at TrendingInEducation.com or at and Ed on Facebook or on Twitter. Happy to take uh, – potential topics from the audience and really dive into something a little bit deeper as we go through Uh, find us on twitter find us on facebook head on over to itunes to stitcher to tune in Uh, leave a rating leave a comment love to read them here on the podcast and also share us with a friend until next time thanks so much for listening to trending in education